Hey everyone, today I'm talking to the procrastinators. You know who you are. Are you the ones that really want to do all sorts of things, but you just can't quite seem to get out of the house? You look at the idea of workshops or travel or different locations, and then you just don't do it and you procrastinate and procrastinate, and then you finally do it and you're like, why didn't I do it sooner? Does this resonate or apply to you? Because if it does, today I'm talking to you. You are listening to the Anna Brandt Podcast for the year 2023. Anna Brandt has been a professional photographer for over 24 years and has taught worldwide in over 40 countries. She continues to educate in person and online while running a busy studio in Tustin, California. My mom's podcast is all about educating and motivating the creative entrepreneur. My name is Ava Brandt, and I'm happy to welcome you to the fifth season of my mom's podcast channel. We hope you subscribe and stick around. So what do I mean? Well, you know, I teach a lot of workshops. Uh, this year's year 24 in my career. I've been teaching for over 14 years. I've been to 40 countries and I haven't really counted the states. I really should one day. I've taught thousands and thousands of photographers from all different parts of the world. And lately this year, I find that a lot of photographers local and abroad are saying, why didn't I do this sooner? That's been a common theme this year. I feel like every year it's a different particular theme. This year I'm finding my students are, I have two kind of, two types of students I'm seeing this year. The new younger generation that are coming out saying they found me on YouTube and they're coming to a workshop right away. And then those who are maybe in their second or third stage of life going, I've wanted to come to a workshop for so long and I'm finally doing it. And now I want to take five more. And why didn't I do this yesterday? And, you know, I have students in my workshops that, gosh, I think the youngest is 14. And I don't even know the oldest. I know that I've had students well into their 70s. And so I don't think that age really matters. I mean, you know, photography, I'm a, I'm a maternity and newborn photographer. And if you're, if you don't really follow me, I've been going on year 24 of my career and I was 10 years amateur before that. So I've been holding a camera a very long time. My children are now 18, 20, and 22. I feel amazing at this stage of my career. I mean, I've been squatting for 20 years, guys. So I have no problem squatting. I'm very comfortable shooting. I don't have any physical elements. Thank God I'm pretty healthy. And I really love this job. And I think I can do it for a very long time. Now, that's not the case for everybody. I know a lot of photographers that struggle with knee pain or back pain or joint pain or, or whatever the physical issue is, or, or maybe you can only do one shoot a day because you have busy schedule with your children or, or you're juggling two jobs, trying to make this photography job, you know, make it work. There's, there's a million different types of people that I'm talking to. In all of these groups of people, there's a common theme that I'm finding this year, and the year is 2023, we're in May. And a lot of people are saying, I wish, dot, 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 I wish I would have done this sooner. I wish I would have went to a retreat, maybe next time. You know, like I hate those words. I hate them maybe next time. I can't stand those words because we always assume there's going to be a next time. We always assume there's going to be a tomorrow. And, you know, people always say, Anna, why do you do so much? And I think, oh my gosh, 
I have so much I still want to do. I mean, my list of things I want to do is five miles long. And some days I feel like I haven't done anything. But I think my personal philosophy, and we all have different philosophies, right? My personal philosophy is as long as I'm living and I feel good and I'm able to work, I do it. I mean, I love what I do. I love photography. I even love the editing and all the other little stuff in between. And so laying around on a sofa all day does not, doesn't feel my fire. It doesn't feel my soul. It doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. I mean, yes, we can lounge and yes, we can nap and sleep. And I hate when people ask me if I sleep because sleeping is literally one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. But there's so many people that will say, oh, I didn't get to go to your summit. I'll go next time. Or, oh, I didn't get to go to your workshop. I'll go next time. And I, sometimes I'll look at people and I'll be like, what if there isn't a next time? And they'll just look at me like, oh, Anna, don't say that. And I'll say, no, like, what if I stop teaching tomorrow? Like, I'm not going to teach forever. So what happened? What happens if I stop? Are you going to go, darn, I really should have taken her workshop. Darn, I thought she was going to keep teaching. And so my philosophy is, A, I think you got to get out of the house more. Feel like COVID brought everybody back in the house, right? And we didn't mind it. We slept in a little bit. Maybe we put on a little weight. We got a little too comfortable. And I remember when coming out of the pandemic, I mean, some say we're still in it and, you know, just coming out of the first couple of years, just a little hesitation getting on a plane. There's a little worry being sick. You, you know, I don't enjoy being around people. I'm definitely more of an introvert. I'm not an extrovert and I like being home. I think it's my favorite place ever. And I like staying to myself, but you know what I also really love? I love getting out and trying new things. I love, you know, traveling, getting somewhere new and trying something new and being in a new, new location and shooting. And it's like, you leave and you're like, oh, that was so amazing. You know, we kicked off this year in Costa Rica and there were so many times I was going to cancel the retreat because a lot of photographers were just bailing. They were like, they'd signed up like a year before and one by one photographers were canceling left and right. And we, I think we were down to like four photographers. Those photographers really wanted to go. And they're like, Anna, you're, you're not going to cancel, are you? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Costa Rica if I have to go by myself. If it's just Alex and I, we're going. And there were so many times I was going to cancel. So many times. And I just was like, you know what? No, because the few that did sign up, they're signing up for a reason and we're going to go through with it. And it was one of the most amazing trips. I can still feel the ocean and sleeping with the doors open. And it was such an amazing trip. I left there on such a high and this, the students that went did as well. Well, we just finished a summit in New York City and we're getting ready to do another summit in California at the end of June. And the summit also is another thing that I almost canceled because, you know, originally we had slated for 75 and, you know, a year prior when we did the pre-release, we had sold out of the first 50 spots. I mean, the first half of the first 50% had sold out almost immediately. So I thought, oh, we have like 30, 35 people that sold within the first month of releasing it. So we're definitely going to have 75 by the time the event comes. And it didn't happen. So the event's getting closer and closer and closer. And I'm thinking, we don't have 75. We should just cancel it. And then I looked back at the numbers and it went from 30 to 35 to, I think it was 40. And I thought, well, you know what? That's like 40 photographers that have committed to going somewhere. They've gotten out of the house. They've, some of them have bought tickets. Some of them are coming international, leaving their friends and family. And if they said, I can do this, I can leave the house. I can too. 
And I'm not going to cancel it. Even though every ounce of my being wanted to, every ounce of my being wanted to stay home, I just didn't want to do it. That whole weekend was amazing. The speakers were phenomenal. You can go to the bellybabysummitlive.com to see some of the images and clips and behind the scenes. And at the very, very end of the conference, after three days, there were three different people that when I looked at them and said, oh, how are you? I haven't really had a chance to talk to you this weekend. Each one of them just broke down almost immediately with something that was going on in their life. And there was one particular photographer that came up to me and she just held my hand and she said, Anna, I lost my mom too. And I'm going through several things and my child has cancer. And thank you for, thank you for doing this. Thank you for not canceling. Thank you for showing up. And there were other similar stories of people going through things and came to me and said, thank you for showing up. I received emails after the event of people saying, thank you. I know you wanted to not do it. Thank you for showing up. And I think if I look back at to what I leave behind and my legacy that I talk about all the time, it's, it's that I showed up and that I left the house and that I did the work. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean you're perfect. But don't you think showing up is part of it? Don't you get frustrated when people just bail or they cancel or they use life as an excuse? So I can't go anymore. My finances are low and, oh, you know, my husband doesn't want me to leave or, or the husband says my wife doesn't want me to leave or, or this child is sick or, or I'm not feeling well. Or It's very easy for us to come up with all of these excuses and they may not be excuses. You may not have any money and you may have a sick child or, you know, an unsupportive partner or, or whatever. I'm not minimizing why you can't do something, but there's a lot of times I could easily come up with a super valuable valid excuse of why I'm not doing something. And I can come up with them all day long. And then there are the times where I'll go, but you know what? If it changes one person's life, if one person who put all their money and time into coming to this event, if if I only help that person, it's going to be worth it because that person chose to leave the house. And then I think about the 1% that I talk about all the time to those in my photographer's group. So I have a photographer's group on Facebook and there are 32,000 photographers in there. If you search Tiopan is the name of the group, which stands for the Art of Pregnancy and Newborn, T-A-O-P-A-N. Tiopan was a name I had 10 years ago for my clothing brand. Don't ask me why. I mean, I know why. I wrote a book called The Art of Pregnancy and Newborn. And so I thought I'm going to make an acronym, Tiopan, and that's going to be my brand. And I hated it. So... I've gotten rid of it, but it still lingers out in the social world. And I can't change our Facebook group because by the time I decided I hated that name, there were already 20,000 people in our group and Facebook wouldn't let me change the name. So the name still stands. But, you know, we have 32,000 people in this group. And many times I'll post something, whether it's a workshop or a webinar or a live event. And do you think I have all 32,000 people responding? No. And usually when I look back at the amount of people responding to whatever it is we're doing, whether it's free or paid, it always seems to equal about 1% of the group that I'm advertising to. And so I remember about 10 years ago, I was listening to somebody, I don't remember who it was, and they had said that 3% of the world controls 97% of the wealth. Think about that. 3% of the world controls 97% of the wealth. 
Now, that was a long time ago. Now, I think it's like 1% or something. I'd have to really go ask AI or do a Googling again, but I'm pretty sure it's like 1% to 2%. Isn't that, not outstanding, isn't that astounding, that number, if you think about it? And so I was talking to a photographer recently and we were talking about marketing and the mailing list. And, you know, if you learn anything about marketing or you listen to anyone who does marketing, they're going to tell you your mailing list is what you own. You don't own Facebook. You don't own Instagram. You don't own LinkedIn or any other social account, but you do own your mailing list. And so whether there's only two people on there and one of them is your mother, it's still your mailing list. And that mailing list usually includes people that want to find out more information about your services. So it's very important if you're selling something or marketing or advertising, you want to send it directly out to your mailing list, right? Because let's face it, we miss a lot of things on social. We're busy, we're working, we're shooting, we're traveling. We're not going to see everything on social that we want to. So a lot of people will spend money on social media ads and they'll try to get your attention. But honestly, I think your focus should be on your mailing list because it's direct to the inbox. They can save it, flag it, respond to you, and it's direct one-to-one communication, right? Well, now let's take a look at mailing lists. You may have a mailing list of a thousand people, but maybe only 10 will respond to your offer. And let's think about it. Let's say if you're a photographer and you're doing mini sessions and you have a 10,000 people mailing list and all 10,000 people show up to your mini sessions, you're probably going to die of exhaustion, right? So obviously we know that when we're emailing our list, we're not going to get every single person on our list because if they did, we'd probably have to hire 10 more photographers to support that. But we're counting on a good portion of that list to respond to our offer, right? A good portion of that list to get out of their house and come participate in whatever you're offering. A lot of photographers or marketers may tend to focus on the wrong number. They may say, well, I sent it out to 10,000. I can't believe 990 people didn't open it. I focus on the 10 that did because that's what matters to me. What matters to me is the people that show up, the people that say I'm going to come anyway, the people that have their doubts, the people that have their hesitations, the 1%. That's what I focus on because that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. If I focus on the 990 people that weren't paying attention to my emailing list or my email, I'm going to be super sad, super depressed. I'm never going to want to leave the house because I'm going to think that nobody's paying attention to me. So why bother? Why do anything? Does that sound familiar? Because I talk to a lot of photographers. I mentor online and in person and photographers tell me this. They say, Anna, I sent out an email. No one responded. And I'll say, no one? Well, yeah, a few people. Did they book? Yes. Well, how many? Well, five. Well, how many did you send it out to? 50. Well, let's look at the percentage. Are the 1% responding? Well, yeah, Anna, but it's only like 1%. Well, what if I told you 1% controlled... 99% of the wealth. Wouldn't you be happier about your 1%? Oh yeah, of course. Well, that's what's happening. And so when I'm putting an offer out there, I'm putting a special out there. I have thousands on my mailing list. I can't have thousands at my Santa sessions. I would surely die. So I'm counting on that small percentage of people that say, Anna, I want to come to your Santa sessions. 
I want you to photograph my baby. I want to come to your workshops. I want to buy your clothing. That's the percentage that gets me out of bed every day. And I can't worry about the thousands of other people that say, oh, your email went to spam or it went to junk or I unsubscribed or I went to another photographer or I'm no longer interested. I can't put all my energy to those people who have decided to either not come, not leave the house or that maybe my offer wasn't good enough for them. And so I entitled this podcast, Get Out of the House, for more than one reason. You know, on one hand, it could be talking at an educational level. Do you want to learn more? Do you want to grow more? Do you want to meet other people? Do you want to try new techniques? Then you got to get out of the house. You can't just watch YouTube all day. You got to get out, go to a new city, go to a new location, try something that scares you, meet new friends, try something new. Because I guarantee you, If it doesn't kill you from sheer anxiety and fear, you might have a good time. And then I say, focus on your customers, the people on your mailing list, your clients that are coming out of the house and bringing their newborn baby to you. Because I got to tell you, getting out of the house and doing a newborn shoot with an eight to 10 day old is not easy. If you've had children, do you remember what you felt like eight days later? You feel like a train wreck. You feel like somebody ran over your body and took out an alien. I mean, let's be real. You know, look, I have three children. I have three C-sections, two which were emergency. They're not fun. I wasn't running out the door at eight days with my newborn to go to a photographer two hours away. Thank God I did my own sessions or I probably wouldn't have any newborn photos. But yet we expect women to run out of the house eight to 10 days later. And when they don't, we wonder why it must be us. We must suck. We must be terrible. We must not be marketing enough surely we must not be good because not everybody is coming to us with their newborn baby. Newsflash, it's very difficult to do. And so I get it. I get it. I'm always amazed when women come to me with five day, eight day, 10 day, two week, three week. I ask them, how are you? How are you feeling? How is labor and delivery? I want to know how the moms are. And sometimes I've had women just break down and start crying and say, thank you for asking me how I am because I'm not doing so great. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. I remember when I had my son and I was at my two-week checkup with my pediatrician and I was just sitting in the corner not saying anything. I was miserable. Everything hurt. My incision from my C-section hurt. My boobs hurt from nursing. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was supposed to be an you know, amazing new mom in love. And while I was super in love with my newborn baby, I wasn't doing so well. At the end of the appointment, my pediatrician said, how are you? And it was that one sentence and I just broke down sobbing. And I just was like, I'm just, no, I'm, this is not okay. You know, my mom lived in New York, so she wasn't there with me. My sister wasn't there with me. I didn't have any friends with me. And I felt very alone, very miserable, very much in pain. And it was a very difficult time. In addition, Evan wasn't nursing so well and he was very gassy at night and I I was just a mess. She gave me a food list of things not to eat and told me to adjust my diet so he wouldn't be so gassy. A list that not only saved my life, but saved my next two deliveries and has saved thousands of exhausted moms that I've shared over the past 20 years. And she took the time to see how I was because she knew that getting out of the house with a two-week-old was not easy, but I did it and I was there and I didn't want to be there. And I'll never forget this pediatrician ever, Dr. O'Connell in Newport Beach. She's still a pediatrician. And, you know, that one conversation I had with her literally changed my life and shaped my career. 
had I not got out of the house and let his dad take him to the appointment or stayed home and let someone else take him to the appointment, I could be a different person here today. And so when I say get out of the house, maybe it's going to a pediatrician appointment. Maybe it's going to a party you don't want it to go to. Maybe it's going to a workshop or a photo shoot or going to meet a friend for coffee or going to see a movie. We just don't want to, right? I know I'm guilty of that as well. But what happens if we do? Don't we usually feel better? Has there ever been a time where you're like, I should have never left the house? <laughs> have you ever said that? I don't know. I don't know the last time I've said that. Usually I kind of leave kicking and screaming. Oh, I don't want to get on one more plane or I don't want to go to the beach one more time or I don't feel like going to this movie or I don't feel like doing something. And then the minute I get there, I'm like, ah, I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad I ran that workshop. I'm so glad I went to Costa Rica. I remember just going to Dubai the first time. I was terrified. People were like, Dubai, are you sure it's safe? I don't know if it's safe, but I'm going. I was terrified out of my mind. And now I've been there five times and I'm going again. And I've met friends there and it's one of my favorite places on earth. I felt the same way about Brazil and many other places I've been to, even going to Los Angeles the first time. And so this message is for anyone that has a hesitation and you're afraid to do something because fill in the blank, write it down, get out your journals, get out your notebooks, your pens, just write it down and say, I don't want to do this because of what? And then kind of step back and look at it. And is it a valid reason? And then maybe write another sentence that says, if I do this, I may what? Fill in the blank. So it's like, I don't want to go on this trip because I'm afraid something terrible will happen on the plane. Okay, very valid, very valid. But what if the next sentence says, but if I get on this plane and go on this trip, I might experience the trip of a lifetime, meet new people, see new sites, have new training, learn something new and come back stronger and richer than ever before. And then follow up and be able to teach someone behind me how to face my fears, whether it's children, a partner or someone behind you. And don't you feel that these life experiences and things that force us to get out of our house and get out of our comfort zone can literally alter or shape our entire life? Literally. I think of our friend Falguni, who's all the way in India. And five years ago, and she's been on this on my podcast channel before, she came out from India to my summit by herself five years ago. She had only watched me on YouTube. And she told her husband, see this photographer, I'm going to go see her across in California by herself. I don't know if I would have done that. She had never met me. And she got on a plane by herself and she came to meet me. Talk about altering your life. She's now been to four of our summits. She's had lunch with Anne Geddes, who she met at one of our summits. She's an ambassador for ProPhoto. She's now a certified trainer, my only international certified trainer at this moment and is already booking high ticket one-to-one -one mentoring in India, in her country. And I just look at how far she's come in five years, in five years of just looking at me on a channel at home in her house and now has a studio, now is a global educator, an ambassador. She's a mother, a speaker, a photographer, 
a celebrity clientele. Had she not left that house, would any of this had happened to her? I don't know. I don't know. I think not. Maybe in a different capacity. And I'm not even taking the credit. I didn't get on the plane. She did. Her involvement with the summits, her choice to join our certified program and then our trainer program and to speak and to teach and to mentor is her doing, not mine. Yet of all the hundreds and thousands of photographers in India, why her? Because she got out of the house. Right? And so she's just one of many, many, many examples. And you know, I have three children that are no longer children, but they are. I mean, they're 18, 20, and 22. They'll be forever my children. And we're constantly having conversations about things they want to do and things they don't want to do and places they want to go. And they're all highly motivated. And then there are times where they'll go, mom, I need horizontal time. That's like a common phrase in my house. I need horizontal time. That means my daughters are notorious for saying this. I don't really feel like my son says that. He's more of a, if he needs to break away, he'll go do gaming. That's his kind of de-stress. My daughters, when they want to de-stress, they'll go in the room and, and they say, mama, I need to have horizontal time. That means they need to lay down in their bed and they need to just decompress. Whether they're reading a book or watching a show or playing a game or just on their phones, they need to, their idea is just horizontal time laying in their room. They'll be like, oh, I had too much social time. But they did it. And so many times that they don't want to get out of the house. And I remember when they used to do competitive dance and they didn't want to go to competitions or they didn't want to go to rehearsal or practice. And then I said, but you just got to do it because when you get back, you can have that horizontal time and you can stay in for the rest of the night. And even now, Ava the other day was telling me she was nervous that she doesn't have a day off for like five days. And she's like, how am I going to get through the next five days? I don't have a day off. And I was like, welcome to adulthood. Welcome to being 18. But you can work and work and work and then you'll, you'll take that time to decompress. So I'm not saying you need to be out of the house all the time. I'm not saying you need to be a social butterfly or an extrovert or someone that goes to every workshop or spends your last dollar. But I'm saying the next time you really don't feel like going anywhere, whatever it is, the gym, I don't know, a date, training, work, write down, write it down. I don't want to do this because, and then write down another sentence that says, if I do this, I might, or I may, or I will, or this is my, might be the end result and see, and see if it does anything. I'm a big believer in journaling and writing things down and also manifesting the verbal word. I feel like many times we just need to say things out loud and say things that we want to do because then the universe kind of has a way of manifesting things. And so just try some of these personal experiments and maybe, just maybe something I'm saying might resonate with somebody and hopefully get you out of the house and it'll turn out to be one of the best things you ever did. I'm Anna Brandt. Thanks for listening. Did you like this podcast? We would love it if you gave my mom a kind review and reach out to her. To learn more about Anna, visit AnnaBrandt.com. You can find out about her education opportunities at AnnaBrandtEducation.com.